what smells Daniel doesn't mind. He just wants to find some love with someone of his kind. Hey! <laughs> wow. I'm not sure how to take that one. Hello and welcome to day five of 12 Days of Christmas. Are you ready for some spooky stories today? I'm being terrorised by a bit of dried onion. Sorry? It's following me around. <laughs> um, you know when I said, are you ready for some spooky stories today? Yeah. You being terrorised by some dry onion was not the response that I expected. I really, I'm blindsided to be honest. Story number one comes from Savannah. To give a little background, I'm part native and grew up with supernatural things just being an accepted part of life, though never really experienced much that was truly scary. I also have a degree in archaeology, and have travelled and worked in all kinds of areas, including Mayan temples and jungle caves, and again, not much to report. Honestly, I'm more likely to be someone else's bizarre tale. So I was driving in the absolute middle of nowhere. I mean, like, I hadn't seen another car in two hours, and suddenly this little woman emerges from the thick brush on the side of the road. I slow down to make sure she's okay, and notice that she was filthy, covered in scratches and blood, and carrying a shovel, a tarp, and a machete. I floored it, man. I just don't want to know. (laughs) (laughs) But I digress. My bizarre tales come from my time as a park ranger. I had always dreamed of being a park ranger. So during a lull in archaeology work, I decided to check that off my bucket list. This is the only time I have actually been completely freaked out by experiences I couldn't explain. The first story occurred very early on in my time as a ranger. I was sent several hours away from my home park for training to become an archery instructor. Originally, several other new rangers were supposed to share the cabin with me overnight before the class began. But in the end... I was the only one in a cabin meant to hold 10 or more people. I was pretty happy about that. Despite working with the public, I'm pretty introverted and love my alone time. This cabin was at the very end of a long one-lane road, secluded from the other cabins. As I drove into the area, I noticed that only two other cabins on the road were occupied. One with an elderly couple, the other were a few guys in their 30s and 40s. I parked and went into the cabin, poking around and checking things out, turning on all the lights and TV for some noise, but everything was normal, just like dozens of other cabins across the state. After reading for a bit and having a shower, it was time to pick out my bed, I had several to choose from, and turn in for the night. I tried to set the radio alarm clock in the room, but after fiddling with it for several minutes, it became pretty clear that it was busted and wouldn't turn on, so I gave up and set the alarm on my phone. I climbed into bed, but I just couldn't get comfortable. The room was so cold, despite the heat being on full blast. I gathered all the other blankets in the cabin and piled them on my bed, but I was still cold. Eventually, I got up and tried sleeping on the couch, but it still felt off. I had this anxious feeling that wouldn't go away. Reluctantly, I went back to the bed and tried to sleep despite the cold. I eventually fell asleep, only to be awakened by a little girl's voice, loudly saying, Mommy? Mommy! In my half-sleep state, I thought I was at home and my kid was trying to wake me up, but then I remembered with a jolt that I was not at home and I was definitely alone. 
I tentatively opened my eyes and surveyed the scene, telling myself it was normal for the mind to do weird things like that. However, as I became fully awake, I realised that there were voices in the room. A little girl, and now a little boy as well. Their voices were kind of muffled and distant, but still audible. I got up to look around for the source, and noticed... The previously dead alarm clock was on, displaying time, and the voices were coming from the alarm. I stared at the clock, puzzled and in disbelief. I leaned in closer to hear the voices better and could make out that the little girl was teaching the little boy a game, in a slow, kind and quiet voice. Not exactly something one would typically hear on a radio station. I slowly backed away and grabbed my phone, keeping one eye on the alarm clock like it might suddenly leap into action and bite me. Just to make things extra weird, the time on the previously dead alarm clock was exactly the time on my phone. I politely left the room, got dressed, grabbed my bag and got the hell out of there. As I left, I looked around again for any children in the area, but saw none. There was no cell phone service out there and very little radio signal. I have no good explanation for the whole episode beyond ghost kids in radios can fuck right off. My second story as a ranger happened a few months later at my home park. To set the scene, our old park office had recently burned down, so we used our old defunct hotel rooms as storage and office spaces. The hotel was located in a section of the park that was less frequented during this time and had absolutely no cell phone service. The room that my teammate and I used had a wonky door with a handle on the inside that was always falling off, so we made a note to never fully close it. The handle was always on a shelf by the door just in case, since you could put it back on and jiggle it to get out if need be, but we rarely used it, and always put it back on its little spot on the shelf when we did. One evening after most of the day staff were gone, and our lone night ranger was coming on duty, I went down to the room to gather some supplies for a group coming the next day. I let myself into the room and then promptly fully closed the door behind me like an idiot. I sighed and looked to the shelf to grab the door handle so I could crack the door back open as I worked. Only it wasn't there. I looked all around the shelf, on the ground, on the broken AC unit near the shelf, the work table, nearby bookshelves, everywhere. Now I was a little worried. It was nowhere to be found. And naturally, I had no way to contact someone to help me out, and yelling for help would have been useless as no one was nearby. I started the search again, covering every inch of the room, even the bathroom, but no luck. I figured it somehow ended up in our work truck or taken off with some garbage by accident. So I started looking for tools to try and take the door down or wedge the door open, doing another circuit around the room. But no luck. I was well and truly screwed. I walked from the front of the room to the back again, sort of pacing while I tried to find a plan C. As I did, I heard a loud crashing sound behind me. I turned to look, thinking now this damned room was going to start falling in on me, and saw the door handle, on the ground, in the middle of the room. I stared at the handle, thinking, I didn't bump or shake anything, there isn't any surface nearby for this to have falling off, and there's no way it was on the ceiling. Oh God. I walked over cautiously and kind of kicked it with my boot for some odd reason and then bent down to pick it up. 
I looked around and said, um, thank you, and promptly got the hell out of there. I never did get the supplies ready for the next day and didn't really care. So those are my tales. No cryptids, no spectres, no otherworldly sounds in the night, but bizarre all the same. Now the door handle is mysterious. The kids having a conversation. No thank you. And from the alarm clock. Yeah. From the alarm clock. What no, does that no, even no. mean? It's like the we go in um podcast trapped in TV. Oh yeah, it's just isn't it? a couple of them trapped in the radio. How unfortunate. I would like of all places to be trapped, I'd much rather be trapped in a TV than an alarm clock. To be really frank. Yeah, true. I would like to point out as well, if if you can hear any weird, uh, what sounds like growling or moaning, it's actually Bim is snoring beside me and snoring incredibly loudly. Um, and I don't have the heart to wake her up. So don't worry, it's not a demon. We're not being haunted by anything. It's our demon cat. That's all. Who's now stopped snoring. Yeah, obviously. As soon as I said that, she's like, oh, okay, I'll be quiet now. I think Park Ranger is a really cool job as well. Awesome job. Like a really cool job. Yeah. Absolutely. To be honest, I don't really know what a park ranger does, but it sounds like it's a cool job. You get to learn archery and stuff and train other people in archery, I presume. Like do archery lessons for people yeah. who are out on holidays in the park. And stay in cabins rangers? in the woods. Well, less cool because I, I, you know, I'm not very good at camping or roughing it in any way. The cabins aren't roughing it. Well, it is for me. Okay. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Also, that's obviously a joke the last time I did any sort of park ranger thing I stayed in a cabin and I was very glad of it there you go yeah because you, you did a park ranger thing did you no I meant um, <laughs> I meant the last time I did like a outdoor pursuit outdoor thing outdoor pursuit yeah. thing not a park ranger thing <laughs> um, I stayed in a little cabin and I was very glad of it yeah I think that Savannah is 100% right and I think she probably is the cause of a lot of stories that have been told in the past around campfires that bit made me laugh <laughs> yeah. so much because I do wonder how many stories of like, whoa, I saw this really creepy person. And then you think, oh, what, what, like, you know, that must have been paranormal or they must have been doing something awful. And there's probably a really logical explanation for what had happened. And our second story today comes from Fiona. So I'm one of those people who, on the one hand, really wants to believe in the paranormal But without seeing something with my own eyes, I can't seem to shift that little bit of doubt. But on the other hand, I don't really ever want to see something with my own eyes. The closest I've got to a real-life experience is second-hand from a customer of mine at work. I was telling him how as I spend so long in my car for work, I often listen to podcasts. A real-life ghost story one to be specific. Oh, he said. Have I ever told you that I used to live in a haunted house? And so Colin's story began. Colin and his wife had recently had their fourth child, so they needed more space, and went to view a house they particularly liked. Oh, the previous owner said when they arrived with the kids. I didn't realise you had children. I don't think this house is very suitable for children. But she didn't say anything more, and Colin, worried they'd lose out on the house, pretended he was buying it for his parents, and the children wouldn't be living there to ensure a quick sale. They got the house and moved in soon afterwards. Colin often worked on call and on such occasions would sleep in the spare room so as not to disturb his wife when getting up and down throughout the night. One night in the spare room, Colin woke up feeling disorientated, only to realise the bed was the other way around to what it was when he had gone to sleep. 
He just told himself he must be imagining things and didn't think too much of it. Until the next time he was on call and the same thing happened. Colin woke up with the bed the other way around, but this time their Akita dog, not usually a breed known for being nervous or scared, was sat whimpering in the corner of the room. Colin followed the dog's gaze to the opposite corner where there stood a man. A big man, over six foot, dressed all in oilskins like a fisherman. And then he was gone. When Colin told his wife the next day she wanted to get a feng shui expert in. Don't be ridiculous, said Colin. I was probably just half asleep, still dreaming. I'm not having some expert coming in, moving a few plant pots around and charging us 500 quid. But his wife insisted, saying not to tell him what Colin had experienced and see if he picks up on anything. So the expert came in and straight away said, There's a man here. You know there's a man's energy here, don't you? The expert then explained about ley lines, imaginary straight lines between points of historical significance. And apparently it's where these ley lines cross that spirits or energies tend to gather. Colin pointed out to me that the expert never once referred to anyone or anything as a ghost. It was always an energy or a spirit. The expert then worked out there was a ley line crossing in their garden, so trooped the whole family out, Colin, his wife, four kids and the dog, and produced a crystal, which he said he would bury at the crossing to dissipate any bad energies. Now, the cynic in Colin was on the verge of laughing. A crystal. Are you serious? Come on. But as he spoke, each light in their empty house came on one by one, as if someone was going from room to room, flicking the switches as they went. Bury the damn crystal, Colin said. So the expert did, and then told them to hold their nerve. Hold your nerve and let the crystal do its thing tonight. Just unplug everything before you go to bed. So they did. They unplugged everything and went to bed. Then at around two o'clock in the morning, the stereo came on full blast. Colin went out to the garden the next day to dig up the useless crystal, but it had completely disappeared. As he stood looking back at the house, wondering what the hell to do, he felt like there was someone standing behind him smoking a pipe. He could smell the smoke. All of a sudden, his elderly neighbour popped her head over the fence. Hello, Colin, are you okay? Not really, Ethel. This is going to sound crazy, but there's not somebody standing next to me smoking a pipe, is there? I can smell pipe smoke. Oh, that'll be Mr. Mully, said Ethel. Mr. Mully? Oh, he used to live there. Poor Mr. Mully. He was killed, knocked off his bike on the way out fishing. Mr. Mully was a fisherman. He wore oilskins, did he? said Colin. Not long after, there was a night when Colin and his wife heard a creaking on the landing. On opening their bedroom door, they saw one of their young daughters walking towards the stairs. They asked her where she was going because it was the middle of the night. And the little girl pointed towards the stairs and said, I have to follow that man. Colin and his wife darted to their daughter's side and grabbed her hands to stop her. Colin told me it was weird. She was adamant she had to follow the man and almost had super strength as they struggled to pull her back. It was at this point they got a priest in. Again, cynical Colin told the priest, We're probably wasting your time. This is all going to sound ridiculous. I don't blame you if you don't believe us. 
and the priest just said that he'd known worse. He saged the house but advised Colin that Mr Mully was so attached to the house itself that short of demolishing the building, there wasn't that much that could be done. It was meant as an extreme, ridiculous solution but gave Colin an idea. Over the coming months, he spent thousands redesigning the house, knocking walls down, building extensions. But in the end, no matter how much of the house they changed, Colin's wife just couldn't settle and they eventually moved out. Colin said that was about 15 years ago now and they've never had a paranormal experience since. Although they do from time to time look back at photos of the old house and wonder who lives there now and if they too share the house with Mr Mully. So I oh know he did last summer, isn't it? When the, the fishermen... Yeah. 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 <laughs> Although this seems less sinister than I know oh, he did way less sinister. Way less sinister. There but... is no evidence that Colin murdered Mr Mully. Although... We weren't there, yeah. So we don't know. Yeah, and he was knocked off a bike. He was. Which it wasn't. Oh. There wasn't the guy in there. Yeah, he was run over, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh. Oh. You've solved it. Oh. Um, solved science. Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of ghostly encounters and behaviours and stuff going on in this house, but the thing that would get me most is the daughter going, "I need to follow that man." I'd be more worried about my bed moving around the other way in the middle of the night. Yeah, uh, you move so much when you're asleep, you could potentially do it anyway, right? Okay, thanks very much. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Something would have to be really powerful to be able to do that. Yeah, it would. But I've also slept in rooms that I feel that I'm familiar with, but I'm not. And I've when I've woken up, I thought, oh, this isn't right. But then actually it turns out I was my how brain picture of the room was actually different to what it actually was or your brain picture of the room yeah. is like your childhood bedroom or something random yeah, yeah. And it takes you a few minutes yeah. to figure it out yeah. i regularly have that when i'm in my mum's house in ireland because i wake up and i'm like i don't know where i am yeah because my brain is expecting my own bedroom and then i'm in my childhood bedroom yeah. and i'm like oh god this is really confusing and i have a few minutes of just sheer panic and then i'm fine but what doesn't happen is you don't look into the corner and see a man in fishing oars. No, I don't. And mm. if I did, it would literally be my dad because he oh, yeah. goes fishing <laughs> a lot. So I wouldn't be frightened. I'd be like, what are you doing in my bedroom? Do you want something? <laughs> and our third story today comes from Ella. I've been so enjoying your podcasts over the last few weeks. Although I listened to the Tickle Me Elmo story yesterday and I kid you not... My four-year-old has just come down the stairs to tell me that his sister's aerial doll was talking to him in the bathroom. I went into the bathroom to see if he was telling the truth. The doll was there, but nothing. I waited a couple of minutes and still nothing, and then as I went to walk away, she only started babbling away, doesn't she? It literally made me want to shit myself. Hopefully just a coincidence. Anyway, all of these stories of weird goings-on surrounding children made me want to share my story. Apparently when I was around three, I began playing in my bedroom for quite some time. My mum had started to become concerned, so she called me downstairs. When I appeared, she asked me what I was doing. I've been playing with the boy. My mum asked what boy it was, and I told her that the boy had been reading me stories. My mum thought that it was a bit odd, but I continued. Mummy, he was dripping blood all over the carpet. But he's okay now, I said, and with that, I just skipped off. My mum tells me that she absolutely shit herself, because it was really out of character for me to say anything like that. I don't remember it at all, but I think what really gives me the chills 
is that my dad's brother was hit by a car when he was six years old and sadly died. I don't know why, but I just know it was him. Okay, I have two very strong things to say about this. Number one, thanks for telling me the additional story of the talking doll that is going to terrify my dreams this evening. (sighs) Number two... That is such a scary thing for a child to say as well, isn't it? And then to just skip off. Yeah. He's okay now. Bye. He's dripping blood all over the carpet. What? You're talking to a boy and he's dripping... Yeah, the little boy reading your stories in your bedroom. But, mummy, he was dripping blood all over the carpet. Uh, but he's okay now. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not happy with those. No, it's, that's, that's quite alarming. I mean, thankfully for Ella... It's a third party retelling, isn't it? So she doesn't remember saying that, which is good. Cause and I'd... she's obviously not traumatised oh, yeah. by it. But there, I think there... Although she might be by the aerial doll. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's true. But I also think that, that that intuition is often right when you just know something in your heart or you just feel it and you go, okay, I know who that person is or I know what that person's mm. going to do or I know this place isn't right. And I think it is often those those intuition things are often right. And also with the mother as well, calling her down. Because I think, you know, it's all subconscious acknowledgement, but I've noticed with the parents in my life, not my parents, but other people in my life that are parents, they kind of are aware of the children's behaviour and they're really quick to pick up on changes. Yeah, definitely. So if she was spending a long time in her room, the mum calls her down, expecting her to say, oh, I've just been drawing a masterpiece on the wall or something like that. Yeah, like your niece is currently a death with doing. <laughs> nope, just playing with the boy who's dripping blood all over the floor. And our fourth story today comes from Austin. In the summer of 2001, my parents moved my sister and me out of our childhood home to an older house in the middle of town. The house was pretty big and had a rather large backyard. It was an eerie property. The backyard was overgrown with bushes and trees and random decrepit gazebos, an old jacuzzi and a makeshift pool house. The backyard also had a couple of koi ponds and a large wooden door that went nowhere that said Puerta al Sol or Door to the Sun. The house was built in the 1970s and had an overabundance of wrought iron inside and out. The interior was dark with little natural light and dark stained wood. The house always felt weird to my sister and me. We felt like someone was watching us at all times. Maybe it was the fact that it was so different from the house we grew up in, or all the wrought iron inside and lack of natural light that made the house so dark. Or it could be that the man who lived there before us died in the house. From what we knew, the man had cancer and didn't believe in modern medicine. We were told he died peacefully in one of the rooms. His widow never disclosed which room he passed away in, but we always assumed it was the master bedroom until this particular night. It was a school night. I was in high school and my sister had already graduated. I remember staying up and sewing patches on my jean jacket, my desperate attempt to be punk rock made for late nights. I had a cat, Minnie, that roamed the house as she pleased but could be found in my bed most of the day or night. After I was satisfied with my sewing project, I got up from my bed and laid my jacket down to be worn the next day. I walked over to my door and cracked it a tiny bit so the cat could go in and out. 
Then I went and pulled the cord on the ceiling light. I did not flick the switch because I wanted to keep the ceiling fan on. I laid down in my bed with Minnie cuddled up against my legs. About 15 minutes into me trying to fall asleep, my light slowly faded on. I remember keeping my eyes closed as I had an overwhelming sinking feeling. I felt like I was melting into my bed, almost paralysed with a sense of fear. I finally opened my eyes and looked over at Minnie. Her eyes were as big as saucers, and the hair on her back was sticking straight up. Glancing at my door, I saw that it was wide open. In that moment, I was convinced my sister had came in to mess with me. I ran into my sister's room and threw open the door, and accused her of turning the light on. She looked a bit bewildered, a little concerned, and a lot confused. I didn't. I was in my bed reading, you've been up all night, opening and closing cupboards so I couldn't sleep and decided to read. I'd been in my room all night. So who was opening and closing the cupboards? The two of us quietly walked into my parents' room. My dad was sound asleep and my mom woke up with the opening of her door. I asked her if she turned the light on in my bedroom. I said it gently, not wanting to wake up my dad. No, she said, but you've kept us all up all night walking up and down the hallways. Please go to sleep. Like I told my sister, I was in my room all night. I had not been out of my room once. At that point, my sister and I were certain that there was someone in the house. They must have been hiding. So we insisted that my dad search the house. He found nothing and was angry that he had to get out of bed for nothing. We're convinced it's the old man who died in the house. Maybe he was checking up on us. Maybe he was returning to the room where he took his last breath. Or maybe he was just looking for someone. Whatever or whoever it was never returned. For that sinking feeling never left and we continued to feel watched. There was a phase that my daughter went through. It was a very scary time for me as she was saying stuff that was creepy as hell. Something a little creepy coming from an adult is extra creepy coming from a toddler. It all started when my husband and I moved into a new house. The house itself wasn't new, but it was new to us. We had moved from a house built in the 1970s to a house that was built in the early 2000s, so these experiences were completely unexpected. I would have guessed the old house would be the haunted one. Just shows how much I know. The first event happened during a time my husband was out of time for work. My daughter was two and my son was a newborn. I was jolted awake by my two dogs barking. They ran towards the door that led to the garage. The way my house is set up, you can look straight down the hallway from my bed and see the laundry room that is directly before the garage door. The dogs were sat in front of the door, hair raised, growling. They stayed there all night in front of that door and I did not sleep for the rest of the night. A few days after the garage incident with the dogs, my two-year-old mentioned a man who had an owie. I asked, what man? And she said, the man in the garage with an owie. She was pointing to her heart area. That was creepy enough for me to drop the entire subject. A year or so later, I was talking to the neighbours. The couple were much older. They're always giving us toys their grandchildren have grown out of. This one particular time, the wife was telling me how glad she was we had children because she really missed the younger couple that moved out of the house years before we moved in. She said they had moved to be closer to her family after the, her husband was diagnosed with a rare heart condition. I got chills. 
and remembered the man with the owie from the garage. A few months following the garage incident, my daughter kept talking about a scary black hen in her room. She pointed to the ceiling in the corner and said that the scary hen lives up there and that she had to hide under the blankets. I thought, what is wrong with this creepy child of mine? My mom had chickens, so I thought she was having dreams about the chickens at grandma's house. So I showed her pictures of chickens and asked if they were the scary hens. And she replied, no, those are chickens. So I looked up scary birds, none of which ended up being the scary hen from her room. I asked her again what the scary hen looked like. She said it was black, had black wings and red eyes. I showed her a picture of a very creepy drawing of Mothman and she screamed and said that's the scary hen. She is now five and still talks about the scary hen. Another time I was putting a onesie PJ set on my daughter, it was a hand-me-down, from whom I don't remember. The young moms passed around clothes for years, as long as they were still decent. When I put these jammies on her, she looked at me with big eyes. Mama, these are the jammies that I drowned in. I was so freaked out that I took them off and threw them away. It was so creepy. Have children, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Every time it's just constant confirmation that all kids are freaky. We I know we've said this previously in these 12 days, but we have actually at times thought, you know, I wonder if we're too hot because we don't have kids, so we don't know what it's like and maybe we're just too harsh on our with our freakiness, but this is just further proof, isn't it? That they just Of course it is. And then all the, these stories pile up. Yep. They pile up. Yep. You get story after story after yep. story from parents who are like, "No, my kids are fucking creepy." Yep. And kids just seem to go through a creepy phase of just seeing all the dead stuff and mothman and mothman inexplicably <laughs> oh yeah i don't know how you manage that i'm also a bit disturbed by the pajamas to be honest yeah a little bit disturbed mommy these are the pajamas i drowned in you what you what now <laughs> you okay and those are being set on fire as we speak not with the child in them though <laughs> well. <Bit> too far. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this week's episode you can find everything you need to know about us on real life ghost stories podcast.com you can send your own spooky story to Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra spooky content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.